Hey guys, Mike here for Hokey Hangover on behalf of the good folks over at Main Street Pharmacy. Former Downtown Blacksburg Business of the Year in 2019, Jeremy Counts and his staff at Main Street Pharmacy have you covered for all of your pharmaceutical needs. Medication, school supplies, you name it. Jeremy and his staff, family-owned business, they got you covered over at Main Street Pharmacy in Downtown Blacksburg. They've been a sponsor of our podcast since the beginning, going on five years now, and there's a reason why. They're extremely extremely reliable. They're good people. They're friends of ours, friends of the podcast. Head on over to Main Street Pharmacy, 301 South Main Street, downtown Blacksburg. Open Monday to Friday, 9 to 6, Saturday from 9 to noon. They're closed on Sundays. You can be reached at 540-605-7721. That's Main Street Pharmacy, 301 South Main Street in downtown Blacksburg. Hokie Hangover is proud to be sponsored by Homefield, the premium collegiate apparel brand in the United States. Based in Indianapolis, Homefield is committed to creating comfortable and officially licensed apparel featuring vintage college designs. Homefield puts in extra reps for each of the more than 150 colleges they highlight, discovering unique logos, mascots, and iconic moments to create the best look at your tailgate. Go to homefieldapparel.com and use the promo code BEAMERBALL to get 15% off your first order. Homefield makes online shopping so easy, even I can't screw it up. Again, use the promo code BEAMERBALL to get 15% off your first order and acquire blue chip apparel from Homefield, an official sponsor of Hokie Hangover. Hey guys, Mike here on behalf of our podcast partner, Vivid Seats. That's right. Hokie Hangover Podcast is partnering with Vivid Seats this football season to provide you with all of your ticketing needs. Hanging to a game at Lane Stadium this fall, need tickets? Check out Vivid Seats. Going to another college football venue this fall? Use Vivid Seats. Checking out a concert venue even? Vivid Seats has you covered there as well. And they got a promo code just for you. That's right. Go to vividseats.com. Use the promo code BEAMERBALL20 at checkout for $20 off your first order of $200 or more. Again, use the promo code BEAMERBALL20 at checkout for $20 off your first order of $200 or more. We can't thank Vivid Seats enough for their partnership this football season. Make sure to check them out. hangover guys we are recording on tuesday night it's syracuse week hope you guys enjoyed the bye week uh message to listeners real quick sorry it's taken us a few days we've had various scheduling conflicts amongst the three of us but we're here recording tuesday night we'll be real annoying in promoting this over the next few days uh but first i wanted to just get this out of the way say this off the top uh if you're listening with kids in the car, maybe just like fast forward 15 seconds, come back to this later. Uh, but I watched a lot of college football this weekend. And let me just say this. It's a good thing that Michigan State coach, former Michigan State coach for that matter, Mel Tucker, good thing he was part of a high profile masturbation scandal and Jeffrey Tubman his way out of East Lansing. Because I'll tell you what, if not for that, the whole Adolf Hitler cameo on the big screen in the blowout loss to Michigan would have gotten a lot more run. It's hard to disagree with that, buddy. It, it, it's like um what's the twitter account that's like the no context cfb account yep like 
you would hope that they had a field day with that. I mean, just r- really quick, how brain dead do you have to be to sign off on that? Somebody signed off on it. I, I don't know where, but somebody signed off on that. Allegedly a third party. It was a third party vendor to do trivia questions, which I actually will buy that. I, I will buy that. They have someone building like Venom in-game Venom, content for that. Venom. Yeah. Somebody signed off on this and whoever it is, uh, there need to be some repercussions. Yeah. My, my colleague, my colleague, Richard Johnson at sports illustrated, uh, he hosts a fantastic college football podcast called Split Zone Duo. He mentioned on the recap show over the weekend that there were more Adolf Hitler cameos on the big screen in East Lansing than there were points scored by Michigan State, which, <laughs> great point. Backtrack, true. Yep, that is true. <laughs> what a what a nightmare. Absolutely. Just an awful season in, in Lansing. Awful. I mean, third-party vendor or not, if the scoreboard says Michigan State on it and you're Michigan State in front of tens of thousands of people, millions watching on television, even more millions if you screw up, maybe don't let anyone put anything on your screen without seeing it first and giving it the thumbs up. Yes. So you either gross negligence, didn't do that, or your thumbs up, thumbs down guy is about as tone deaf as you can possibly imagine. Yeah. Own yeah, it. Not good. Own it. Yep. So we're going to talk about the Syracuse game anyway. Uh, <laughs> we're going to talk about that here in a few minutes. We're also going to talk about the non-conference football schedule uh, that James Madison game got pushed out to 2025. So we'll talk about that. Uh, but I want to start here. Uh, we have not talked much at all uh, this fall about Virginia Tech basketball, men's basketball. Uh, first game is in less than two weeks. And top 100, former top 100 recruit and a guy who is going to be a real integral part of the rotation. We thought Rodney Rice has left the program. Uh, Mike Young announced this on Tuesday evening earlier tonight. Rodney Rice recently shared with me his desire to step away from our program. While his departure is unfortunate, we wish Rodney and his family all the best in the future. Guys, uh, Mike Young went on the Tech Sideline podcast about a week and a half ago uh, and was talking about how Rodney Rice was going to, he saw Rodney Rice as a guy who was going to uh, obviously play significant minutes, but also spell Sean Padula at point guard when Padula needed a breather. He mentioned that Padula should have sued him for overuse. Him being Mike Young should have sued Mike Young for overuse last year because of the lack of uh, adequate point guard depth with, of course, Rice going down and Hunter Couture being hurt for periods of time. Uh, Padula obviously played a ton of minutes last year as a sophomore in a role that, you know, quite honestly, he that was his first time as a starter, right? He wasn't really a starter as a freshman. So new role and then played way more than they anticipated. And now Virginia Tech is left in a spot with Rodney Rice leaving the program. Oddly, right? Less than two weeks before the start of the regular season where Tech is now kind of searching for answers in the backcourt once again. Of course, they have Brandon Recksteiner, a true freshman, a four-star recruit. We assume he will play. 
Uh, but I think Mike Young would have liked to have had Rodney Rice in the fold and had a more proven guy to spell Padula. So that's where we're at. It's another four-star recruit that Young has recruited that has left the program. Uh, Darius Maddox, of course, and Joe Bamisil being the two others, in addition to, of course, Brandon Rex Steiner, who will be playing uh, his first collegiate basketball for Virginia Tech this fall. So, guys, what do you make of this news of Rice's departure? I think my first takeaway is that it's just very strange. Strange is a good way to put it. Uh, it's extremely frustrating from a fan's perspective because it seems like with this program in particular in hell, I mean, even with the entire athletic department, there's always something that pops up, right? And Mike Young has done a pretty solid job of adding impact players through the transfer portal, and he should be lauded for that. But his recruiting has left a lot to be desired. Um, and maybe I should amend that statement. And maybe it's more so an eval situation or a lack of development. Because, Mike, as you mentioned, uh, Mike Young has signed three four-star recruits in his tenure in Blacksburg. And all three of them left the program early. And no, it wasn't to go to the NBA draft. Joe Bamisiel really never amounted to anything. Darius Maddox saw some regression, although he had some stuff that he was dealing with behind the scenes. And now Rodney Rice, who dealt with some injury issues last year, isn't even making it to year two. I'm not sure what the issue is. I'm not even sure that there is a specific correlation as to why these three left. But... To me, it it has severe impacts in both your depth, which, Mike, you touched on, but also the ceiling of the program. When you bring in guys that have high ceilings athletically and are naturally gifted to the point where they're being labeled as four, uh, four-star recruits, you got to hit on those guys, at least one or two of them. And when you're relying on kind of incredible development and transfer contributions every single year, it makes your margin of error a lot smaller. And this team does have a lot of questions outside the starting lineup. Hell, I think they've got questions inside the starting lineup, particularly in the front court. I'm very worried about the backup point guard position. This has been a problem for like the last two or three seasons. They have not had consistent play at the backup point guard spot. Uh, the last time they did would have been when Storm Murphy was here. And even then Storm was struggling so much early on in the season that you didn't really feel like you had consistent play at the point guard position from start to finish. And Virginia tech is going to have to rely on a true freshman to take that spot. Probably now, Mike, you and I were talking about this earlier. They could slide Hunter Couture over and he could serve as the secondary ball handler and, and run the offense. But Hunter's been here for 8,000 years, and we know that he that's, that's not really his game. Hunter does not excel when he's having to initiate the offense. He's the half a point guard that Mike Young was talking about on the TSL podcast. He mentioned Padula. He mentioned Rice. 
and he mentioned Couture as kind of like their two and a half primary ball handlers going into the year. Now it's going to be Rex Steiner who's going to have to step up and he's going to play as much as his defense allows him because we know that, you know, for the young guys to play early, Mike Young has established a, it's been a consistent track record since he's been at Virginia Tech. If you're a young player and you defend and you guard, you're going to play. MJ Collins last year, Padula got more minutes as the year went on as a freshman. Darius Maddox, more minutes as the year went on as a freshman because there was an uptick, and Mike Young mentioned this in press conferences a couple years back, there was an uptick in their ability on the defensive end of the floor. If Rex Steiner proves he can defend a little bit, he's going to play more. If not, I I don't think Mike Young's going to put him out there. Team's downfall last year was the defense, right? I don't think he's going to play Rex Steiner a ton if he doesn't think he could defend. At least he's not going to play him for long stretches of games. So I think that's where they're at. He may have to play him somehow in necessity, given the depth issue at point guard, but it's not a really good situation to be in. And it puts them in the same exact position that they were in last year, where Sean Padula had to play 35-plus minutes a night, and when he was not playing on the floor, you saw a significant drop-off in the offense's ability to create open open shots. Yep. I mean, for me, you just worry about it a little bit from the macro, right? Because I, I think we're all pretty cognizant of where Virginia Tech is as a basketball program, right? Like, compared to the teams that they have to compete with night in and night out in the ACC, even as the conference is down a little bit. Now, Virginia Tech's not going to bring in a, a big handful of blue-chip recruits. You might be able to get one or two top 100 guys. I mean, two a year at most is really like the ceiling of what this program has shown itself to be recruiting on the basketball court. Where Virginia Tech had success with Buzz Williams and how this program was brought back is it seemed that not only was Buzz hitting on the recruits that he brought in, or at least the ones that he had enough time to see them get to their second or third year within the program where guys really started to pop off, but he was developing some of the lower tier in air quotes there, like a Justin Robinson, into being you know a really good program guy now Mike Young is playing a little bit of a different game given how the transfer portal has changed things and he has done some work in the transfer portal but when you think about who the most impactful guys of the Mike Young era have been it's dudes who came in in the initial year so his first recruiting class plus Keve Aluma a tour yeah and then transfers. Justin Mutz, Storm Murphy. These big names. Yeah. Yeah. Like, these big name recruits, you know, now that you have three who have phased out, the three names that you got most excited about, is it a program issue? Is it a talent misevaluation issue? Is it, and I hate to say it, a personality issue. I'm not saying I can pin that on any of those three guys individually, but some sort of pattern is forming. 
And if you're yeah. Virginia Tech, right, I mean, you get another shot of it going into next season and this season too. You know, Rex Steiner is a, I mean, he was a highly sought after guy as well. The, this young guy, Ryan Jones, four star out of the state of Florida right now on 247's all time commit rankings. And he's number four in Virginia Tech history. So that's still a big name. We're getting the big names in, but what good is it? Because if you have even a, a 50% conversion rate there, and you can do what Mike Young's done in the transfer portal, that to me seems like you're putting your program in a position where you're going to be at least competing to make the NCAA tournament year in and year out. It's hard to bottom out that way. Well, hell, but, I would argue that if you even got one of these three guys to pan out, I mean, just imagine this roster. I mean, you take take Rodney Rice out of the equation, but let's imagine that Joe Bamisiel turned into an incredibly solid wing player. Would that not raise your your expectations and kind of your perspective of what this team can accomplish? Because I think adding a, another really solid wing player not maybe doesn't quite lock you into the tournament, but it makes you a really, really good favorite to make it. Yeah, I mean, if, let's be honest. If any of these fellas turned into Justin Bibbs, we'd be in a much better situation than we are right now. Right. And, you know, that's not asking for Kobe Bryant, <laughs> but it's asking for a solid, better than solid. You're asking for another basketball couture. player. You're asking for yeah. another couture. Yes. What you should be able to get, you don't need to bat a thousand, but you can't bat zero. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting, right? Because the Ricky, Ricky, I forget what your exact wording was, but I thought it was really good talking about like kind of the individual situations, right? So BMSO leaves Virginia Tech, he transfers to George Washington, then he transfers to Oklahoma, where he was coached by a former Final Four coach in Porter Moser, who took Loyola Chicago to a Final Four. Uh, and then he leaves Porter Moser and goes to VCU where he just had his waiver denied this summer. So now he's going to sit out a year at VCU. It seems like, I guess that's on appeal, but I haven't seen anything indicating that he's eligible this year. So he's on his fourth different school. He hasn't panned out anywhere he's been yet. It's a, you know, Mike Young's won 300 games at a division one level. Porter Moser's a final four coach and neither one of them could get anything out of Bama. So you have Darius Maddox, which is kind of a, a different situation, right? Didn't play really at all as a freshman. As a sophomore, he really started to uh, really started to get more playing time as the year went on. Obviously, had a shot in the ACC tournament uh, to keep Virginia Tech alive, and then hope he's eventually won won the whole thing there. And then last year, you know, I don't know how much of last year you really put on Mike Young and his staff. Right, Darius was dealing with an illness in the family, um, wasn't shooting the ball well. We all knew that Darius Mask could shoot. He didn't just forget how to shoot. Uh, he was missing open looks. I don't know how much of that you put on coaching, uh, but he transfers a little bit closer to home. He's now at George Mason. Uh, and then the Rice situation, it kind of remains to be seen. The one thing I will say is that obviously a big reason why Rodney Rice committed to Virginia Tech in the first place was because of Mike Jones. Mike Jones coached him in high school in DeMatha. Uh, Mike Jones was on the Virginia Tech bench until this past offseason when he took a job at Maryland under Kevin Willard. 
Rodney Rice as a DMV recruit, obviously going and playing ball at DeMatha and growing up in this area. And it remains to be seen kind of where he's going to go. Transfer portal is closed right now, by the way. So it's not like he can just transfer to a new school right now. He's going to have to wait until uh, January when the portal kind of reopens, right? New school year and enroll somewhere else. So we're not going to know where Rice is going to end up for a while. But my guess is that if he wants to, if he wants to be at Maryland with Mike Jones, uh, Maryland, by the way, was one of several schools who recruited Rodney Rice. If he wants to be at Maryland and wants to be coached uh, by his high school coach, I think that's where he'll end up. So I think that's a candidate, right? But, you know, kind of three very different situations. And I don't know that there's necessarily a correlation. But really what it boils down to is you got to keep these guys in the program, right? You got to keep these guys in the program and develop them. So you can you can look at the individual situations. You can decide whether or not, and I've already seen the conjecture, is this a Mike Young problem? I'm not sure that it's on an individual basis. It's a it's a Mike Young and coaching staff issue. But I think in totality, when you when you don't keep these guys in the program, it hurts. And you have to start doing that, right? Because Ricky, you mentioned it limits your ceiling. And Andrew, you brought up the point about like having a guy just kind of emerge as another Justin Mutz. You know, having uh, more use cases in terms of developing the guys who weren't as highly recruited. And we've seen him have success stories with that, right? We've seen that with Kator, obviously, being being the example. And Young's done a great job in the transfer portal, right? There's there's no doubt about it. He hit on Aluma. He hit on Mutz. Storm Murphy, by, by the time, you know, that season ended a couple years back, he ended up being a really key player in Virginia Tech's late season surge through January, really February. Another one. Yep, and, and Basili was real good last year. Really developed as the year went on. A really nice offensive game. He was, <laughs> he was an automatic, you know, fifteen and fifteen and eight guy. To, uh, you know, night in, night out. Which is, I mean, what else can you ask for? And you could make the argument that Mike Young's success in the portal thus far kind of bought him some some leash with his portal acquisitions this year because mm-hmm. they're far less impressive on paper. Uh, Aluma Basili were both bona fide scorers and, and and flashed some real talent before they got to Virginia Tech. But you're looking at guys like Robbie Barron or um, damn it, what's the the kid from ODU? Uh, Makai Long. Makai Long. You're looking at guys that don't really have that track record, and it's a lot less easy to buy in with that group, but you go and look at what Mike Young has done so far and you say, okay, he's hit on guys. Essentially every year he's hit, he's gone to the portal, right? He's had boom, 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 impact player, impact player, impact player. And that may have bought him some leash heading into this one with this group of transfer additions. Uh, But everything is impacted when you lose a guy that's projected to be at worst, a maybe a seven or eight minute player at point guard and at best someone who's maybe playing 20 minutes a night off the bench that gives you some instant scoring and and really some instant athleticism in the backcourt the the one thing i wanted to know too is the addition of tyler nickel so virginia tech was in a pretty heated recruiting battle with north carolina that's not something (laughs) andrew mentioned the state of the virginia tech basketball program we all kind of understand where Virginia Tech falls in that pecking order. They are not a blue blood. They are not North Carolina. You're going to lose recruiting battles to North Carolina, and they did with Tyler Nickel. 
Rodney Rice was a top 75 recruit uh, two years ago, and Tyler Nickel was a top 85 recruit. <laughs> so they're getting a pretty good prospect in Nickel who didn't play a ton last year. And really, you would have liked to have had both Nickel and Rice in the mix. But if Nickel develops into uh, into a good player, that would obviously be, once again, kind of another transfer portal success story, but a guy who could be around for two, three, four years. So just want to point that out as well. A couple of points here. I mean, number one, I think that with Mike Young's offensive system, right, like what you're looking to emulate somewhat ideally is what Tony Bennett has built at UVA, which has centered around development, which recently, though, not to the level of success that we saw in the past, high-impact transfers. And then, I mean, like you look at the case of their national championship team, a couple of bona fide stars in there as well. You had DeAndre Hunter at the time, the young star, and then the players that had developed around him. What we've seen with Virginia Tech, like that's what you want to build, right? But the last two seasons with Virginia Tech, number one, being last season, you relied on a 50-year guy who didn't need to come back to come back. That was Justin Mutz. And some heat from the transfer portal to make up from the lack of development that you saw behind that. And what we saw with Virginia Tech last year was a team that came up short. A team that wasn't able to keep that NCAA tournament streak alive. A team that wasn't terrible but didn't play up to its potential. And now Virginia Tech's put themselves in that same situation again. Where they're relying on Hunter Couture, a post-grad guy that didn't need to come back to come back to maintain a veteran presence because the guys that should be coming up through the system aren't there to fill those spots. Bingo. And once again, you turn to the transfer portal. Yeah. And that's something that can work. It might work, but it's not going to work year in and year out. And you're not going to have sustained success that way. You need to have your mid-tier development at least a couple of guys that you could insert into that system with real star power and you use the transfer portal to fill in the blanks. You're taking the part that should be used to fill in the blanks and relying on that way too heavily right now. Right on the money. Right on the money. It's only as sustainable. It's it's only sustainable. Let me, let me rephrase this. It's only sustainable until you start missing on a transfer or two, which we've all kind of referred to in, in different shapes and fashions on this podcast so far, but like as soon as this staff misses on a transfer portal edition, which they really haven't yet. I mean, I guess the, the one you could point to is Lynn kid, but when they brought him in and I wouldn't even say they've really missed on him when they brought him in, it was kind of a similar situation to Tyler nickel. He was a freshman at Clemson and he didn't really play much and they've kind of developed him. This is going to be a big year. I was going to say he might be starting at center this year. Yeah. I mean, this is going to be a big year for him and he took some strides last year, certainly. And I thought he played, he he gave tech some good minutes last year, but they're going to be relying on him in a much bigger role this year. Now with Basili gone. So I don't even want to call it like a failure. I, I think that would be unfair to Lynn kid. Too young to call him a miss. Carrie Blackshear wasn't all world, but he was a freshman and he ended up being a pretty darn good player. Right. 
So I don't even want to call him a miss. I, I don't have a transfer portal addition in my mind where I've looked at it like in totality and been like major a guy where they expected him to play huge minutes and he just came in and flopped. They haven't had that guy yet out of the portal that I can think of. Yeah, I mean, like what you're saying is imagine what last season would have looked like if Grant Basile was trash. Right. Right. I mean, the the closest one maybe would have been Storm, but he played so well down the stretch that season, played really well from like January on. He just kind of got his feet under him. Different game in the ACC. He kind of caught up to the speed of the game a little bit, and he started shooting the ball better, and he was really integral to that ACC championship run. So can't even call him a failure, obviously. I got I got one. You got one. Okay. Cartier Jaro. Who <laughs> never played a game. That would be a miss. Cartier he didn't Jada. play at all? I thought he played a couple games. I don't know. I'll look it up. He played yeah, through. He played, he played games. Did he? In the yeah, way I'm pretty beginning. sure he played. I don't think he made it through December. Okay. But he made yeah, it he December. left in the middle of the season. He didn't play much. He didn't play a ton. Yeah. Jada. Yeah. Uh four. Four games. How'd he do? Uh average almost 20 minutes a night, 43% from the field, uh, 12.5% from three. Uh, sub 70% free throw shooter, two assists-ish. Assist turnover ratio was essentially even, Ugh. average seven and a half, so not great. That was a good pull because I totally forgot he even. But that's existed. the only one that I got. That no, so. I mean that's the I think that's the one. So. All right, that's enough basketball. Not good. Me. It's not. It's not good. <laughs> <laughs> so, but let's just hope that you know some of these. Uh, some of these guys pan out in the front court, and we'll talk more about basketball here over the next couple of weeks. Uh, with the season getting closer, but just we... want to clarify though, we're not saying Mike Young hot seat like some people are no, out no, there no, saying. No, 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 no. We're just no, saying I'm Mike not. Young could make life easier on himself by having the good recruits pan out. It's going to take a lot more than missing on one, or really missing on a four star prospect to put Mike Young on the hot seat. Yeah, yeah, bought up a lot of goodwill with that ACC tournament run, and even if Tech didn't didn't win the ACC title. I would have always thought that this was going to be a really important year, but I'd have a hard time believing this would be like a hot seat year, even still. I think maybe I'm wrong about that. I'm, I'm kind know. of I'm I'm kind of projecting a little bit here, but I think the maybe the the most pivotal year for Mike Young maybe next season. Yeah. Cause Padula may be gone. You have to hope he comes back. I think he will, because he he's got another year after this, right? Yeah, he's a he's only a junior. Um, but Hunter Couture is gone after the year, right? Yeah. How does this offense look without him? Also, not good um, last year. Not good last year. When yeah, he was out. exactly. Not good, right? And then you also have to take into account that um, next year they're going to be relying heavily on. I think MJ MJ Collins should be back. Uh, Hopefully he doesn't hop in the portal, uh, but a Robbie Barron or a Tyler Nickel, all of these guys that Mike Young's brought in over the last one to two seasons, they're Wessler. all going to be, yeah, Kessler, I mean, or Wessler, yeah, they're all going to be um, 25 plus minutes a night players. Yeah. So next season, 
really, really critical in terms of the overall uh, arc of Mike Young's tenure. Well, let's see how this season goes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I agree. Non-conference schedule news. I misspoke off the top uh, about the James Madison move. That game is game moved from 2025 to 26. I, I might have said that, but I also might have said 24-25. So if I, I said you, that, I'm correcting the record. I think you were right. But... Okay. All right. Well, if not, I'm correcting the record. Anyway, uh, the news this week is that James Madison game that was originally slated to be in Blacksburg in 2025 has now been moved to 2026. Uh, this is courtesy of Andy Bitter, Tech Sideline. Here's Virginia Tech's non-conference home games the next few years. Uh, 2024, next season, Marshall and Rutgers. 2025, Vanderbilt, ODU, and Wofford. 2026, uh, VMI, ODU, and James Madison. I mean, not not great, but also, like, Tech's not even really beating the, well, at least in the non-conference schedule, wasn't really beating, like, the bad opponents on there. So... How much tougher do you want this to be? <laughs> Ideally, I'd like, I mean, as a fan, I'd like to see him play tougher competition. At the same time, they're not even beating the bad competition in the non-con right now. So I don't really know how I feel about any of this. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm pretty comfortable with not playing Penn State or Michigan right now. <laughs> I don't know about you guys. Uh -huh. I think that's something you maybe you build towards. You'd like to see it as a fan. But what you'd really like to see more than you'd like to see Penn State is you'd like to see Virginia Tech relevant on a national stage. You'd like college game day to be back in Blacksburg for Virginia Tech, Penn State. You'd like to walk into the stadium for that big primetime game, feeling like Virginia Tech has a chance to win it. And right now, today, and I could promise you next year as well. If not the year after, that means things have gone tremendously well. We're not there yet. So, you know, we were mentioning home games here. You got a good trip opportunity two seasons from now. And correct me if I'm wrong, if this game has been canceled or something. South Carolina in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. That seems like a good time for a litmus test. Wish I was but in having Columbia. just yeah, but having just lost to Purdue, Rutgers, and Marshall. Let's focus on beating Marshall and Rutgers next season. Vanderbilt on the schedule as well. Take care of them. Then two years down the road, we can look to South Carolina. And if we conquer those challenges, then yeah, you know, let's re let's redo the Nebraska game. Let's get LSU back into town. But another thing to consider, you know, the other team has to agree to come. So two points. Uh, number one, I it was completely not on my radar that Alabama is slated to come to Lane Stadium in 2034, which should be pretty lit. I think uh, Nick, Nick, Nick Saban should be retired by then. Yeah, yeah, we'll have to see uh, how Dabo does in, in uh, Tuscaloosa. I kid, I kid. There it is. Uh, I'm I'm perfectly willing to cede both of your points, which are essentially the same, and uh, I, I'm willing to get that. My issue with this is 
season tickets are not cheap, right? Oh, good angle. Continue. Uh, good um, angle. Virginia Tech's asking a lot, especially relative to what it was five to ten years ago, of their season ticket holders to donate and continue buying season tickets. As a business, which is what this is, you have a responsibility to give your customer value. Does Vanderbilt, ODU, and Wofford scream value to you, Mike? No. No, it doesn't. I'll answer it for you. I I was trying to find a more creative way to just say no. Okay. Andrew, does does that offer value to you, Vanderbilt, Old Dominion, or Wofford? No, but to my earlier point, seeing us get smoked 45 nothing doesn't okay. offer me a lot of value. I, and and, I, and I'm, I'm willing to I'm willing to see that. However, if you're going to continue to hike up season ticket prices and you're going to ask your donors to put more up and you're going to continue to squeeze them for every dollar that they're worth, not only do you owe them a better product on the field, right? Like you have to, the team has to play better. Uh, that's obvious. But but they, this has to be like an attraction. And yeah. it just hasn't been. I mean, the, 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 this year was, this was really cool this year getting Purdue in Lane Stadium. I thought that was great. Purdue is a mid-level Big Ten team. That's what I'm saying. It doesn't need There's, to be an elite there are, team. There are a lot of similarities between Purdue and Virginia Tech. Uh, a lot of the, the fans can relate to a school like Purdue. There's the obvious connection with Tim Sands. That makes that, that was a perfect sense, right? I go down this list. Maryland makes a ton of sense, obviously. Uh, Wisconsin, will they ever play? I don't know. But it's really intriguing as a series. Uh, BYU, Ole Miss, like th- these are good programs, but they're not Alabama. Like we're not asking for Georgia to come to Lane Stadium. We're not asking for USC to come to Lane Stadium and give up 55 points like they do every other week they play. <laughs> there it is. But I think that Virginia Tech fans are owed a bit better than what we're getting over the next couple seasons. And to me, that's kind of my biggest point on this. I I, I understand you don't want to watch Virginia Tech get smoked by LSU right now, or you don't want to see him get run over by Michigan. Fine. I, I get it, right? Like, we don't want to watch Michael Penix throw eight touchdowns in Lane Stadium. But I don't want to watch Wofford. Yeah, that's a fair point. I, I, and, and also, okay, I mean, also I, I... hold on, last point, last point. We're not even beating the shit out of Wofford. So what's the point in me watching a 27 to 10 game against FCS Wofford when I could at least watch them play Maryland? I don't want to speak. I I don't want to speak for Andrew. He was sitting right next to me when Virginia Tech was in a slog with Furman. (laughs) In 2019. Thomas almost had a stroke. Timmy almost had a stroke. Yes. He couldn't, he was mesmerized. Couldn't believe his eyes. I wish I could have recorded just him. Just but, the state of shock. But no, Ricky, to your point, yeah. Like I would, would I be 
more excited if Virginia Tech was playing Iowa State or Cincinnati or even like Arizona State. Yeah. A service academy. Play service Air Force. Ca- oh, how great would oh. that be? How great Virginia would Tech that be? Versus the airplanes. Versus the airplanes, baby. Rank the airplanes. Give me a home <laughs> and home against Navy. Navy would make a ton of sense. Because I Army, love Annapolis, and the only Army reason would make I get a to ton go of there sense. is the military bowl. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Andrew's right. all about getting We're going Annapolis, back baby. this We're year, going back, baby. baby. <laughs> We're going back. We're going back. We're winning at least three of these next five. We're it's, going uh, back. It's, it's Virginia Tech's pilgrimage to Annapolis. <laughs> and this would be the most excited I've been for a military bowl in all the times I've seen Virginia Tech in a military bowl. <laughs> God. So we're stoked. gonna dip into the we are uh, we are almost as down bad as that dude on the message boards that was asking how to talk to women. <laughs> I'm going to keep you, our how, conversation. how do you talk to women? Invite them to the military bowl. <laughs> That's right. I'm going to keep our conversation about that <laughs> off of this podcast because we had a very animated text exchange this afternoon. Going to just keep that like, off the show. Shit that gets me through the work day. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. I mean, like, we like, shared look some at this laser. Yeah, oh, we shared boy. some laughs. Uh, Syracuse comes to Lane Stadium Thursday night. Unless you guys had more to say about the non-conference schedule, because I certainly don't. Um, just pick a fun team. Who stop scheduling like home and homes with with subpar programs? How about that? Okay, Ricky LeBlu is the new athletic director. Who are you calling? Non-elite team. It's got to be a non-elite team. Uh, Indiana. Who, who am I? Return call- of Justin. Uh, I love the idea of calling Indiana. We'll bring up that right now. Uh, how about getting Rick Stockstill to Lane Stadium? That sounds great. As um, the head coach? No. <laughs> there he is again. <laughs> uh, one of my favorite things is it, that the, the, the Rick Stockstill um, shtick will never die on this podcast. I mean – for those of you that are listening, you obviously cannot watch because uh, we have not added a video component to this yet. But the, the background of Andrew's screen is the, the legendary legend. Richard Stockstill. It was Jeremy Counts before. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And I, asked you to Jeremy. I couldn't focus. Dr. Jeremy Counts. Shout, shout out, out shout out Main Street Pharmacy. Yeah. Well, everyone start donating to the Hokie Club because if you didn't see on the ESPN bottom line a year ago after Middle Tennessee beat Miami, big old extension. Hey, here you go. I've got a program for y'all. You ready? Yep. SMU. (laughs) Good. Good one. (laughs) We definitely. Honestly, though, like Cincinnati, that'd be great. Yeah. I mean, Marshall seems like it'd be great until you lose. I saw. Kentucky would be great. I'd I love saw, to see a Kentucky game. You get smoked by Kentucky. I saw Virginia Tech lose to Munchie Legault quarterbacked Cincinnati at FedEx yep. Field in like 2012 when that I was, was a sophomore. That was tough. That was tough. Yeah. I'm, um, I'm good how about Cincinnati. we bring back the West Virginia series? That would be fine. <laughs> that would be fine. I'll Make that, that an annual thing. Yeah. That was that was an interesting conversation I had over the weekend with someone who you know, is not part of Virginia Tech world, friend I met in Charlotte. He's like, who's Virginia Tech's big rivals? Like, oh, well, Virginia, Miami, North Carolina, West Virginia, but we never play them. <laughs> yeah. So so the, the, the last thing I'll say on this before we get into the Syracuse preview, remember that those flagship comments that Brent Pry 
uh, had at the beginning of the year talking about how Virginia Tech is still the flagship program in the in the Commonwealth. Don't look now, boys, but like you mentioned, JMU 2026. Better hope we can still say it after that. I'm comfortable pushing that game back. I am as well. They are no, very, stop, very good. No, stop running away from them. Play them. Rick, I, I don't... <laughs> Play them when we're ready. Play them. The, play them when we're ready. I don't think this play program now, is ready for Jay. Yeah, this program is <laughs> like, not. You, not. You, it's like, Look, if, if Brent Pry is you're rooting play, for the result that you don't want. If, yes. if Brent Pry yes. is not ready to play JMU in 2026, we have bigger effing problems. I agree. JMU. Okay. But, but Ricky, you just said you don't want to watch Virginia Tech. Well, I mean, Andrew mentioned this too. Don't want to watch Virginia Tech lose by like 55 in Lane Stadium. It's probably a good thing that James Madison isn't on the schedule this year. They have a nice man. little winning streak against Old Dominion. Okay, but we don't <laughs> we don't need to delay this game any further. 2026, make it happen. I mean, 2025. I mean, you got to be ready to play them in 2025, or else, like you mentioned, Rick, we got bigger problems. Yeah. Virginia Tech hosts Syracuse on Thursday night. Hokies are a three-point favorite. Uh, Syracuse's offense is basically led by uh, Garrett Trader, a quarterback, and that's about it. Defensively, they have struggled with consistency all year. They're banged up up front on both sides of the ball. Uh, Aronde Gadsden, their star tight end, is out for the year. They've had trouble uh, with the running game and consistently replacing the production of Sean Tucker. Sean Tucker wasn't fantastic a year ago, but he was really good two years ago. He's off in the NFL now. This is a Syracuse team that can absolutely be had. They're in the middle of a uh, year one defensive situation with uh, basically the architect of 3-3-5 defense, Rocky Long, a defensive coordinator. They've been running 3-3-5 for a while defensively, uh, but this is Rocky Long's first year at Syracuse, and it's delivered mixed results. This is a winnable game for Virginia Tech on Thursday night. First things first. I, I don't think I follow Sean Tucker on Twitter. Maybe you do, Mike. I know you're Sean all Tucker things ACC. Has he been tweeting like my stat line for this game? Yeah, let me double check. I haven't two seen carries, it. one yard. <laughs> I haven't seen it recently, but that doesn't mean he hasn't been. Uh Oh, he has not tweeted much since September, but I'm also not sure he's been dressing a whole lot. Uh, he's so appeared in three games, and it seems to have been the first three games, and he's no longer appearing. Okay, makes sense, because September 26th is the last time he tweeted, uh, not pleased with our first loss Monday, but we kept it competitive. Looking to get back in the win column this Sunday. I'm back in the grind. Hashtag pleased. <laughs> That's his thing. Hashtag pleased. And it made we'll a lot more sense. We'll know that Brett Pry made it when Ricky LeBlue's tweeting hashtag pleased. I mean, listen, it made a lot more sense when Sean Tucker wore 34, right? Because he spelled it out PL and the 3-4 was supposed to be like the E and the A and the word pleased and the hashtag. Uh, but now he's 44, so it makes no sense. So now he's still doing it while he's number 44 in the hashtag. And it looks like it says pleased. So that that guy is an elementary school tweeter. elementary school tweeter that's a hell of a hell of a description um boys when i was doing leave that leave that right there yeah when i was doing uh my 
preliminary research into this team, I sent a text message to our group chat. Um, and I'm going to read it for the crowd because I'm sure they'll enjoy it. Uh, quote, preliminary research says Syracuse is absolute cheeks, end quote. And then uh, I, believe, I believe one of, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the next, the next one is actual fact check. Correct. You skipped a text there. <laughs> yes. We don't, we don't need to put that one in. Uh, the bottom line is Syracuse has not been the same team over the last three weeks. This was a team that looked like they could be a bit of a dark horse after starting 4-0. The only problem with that is they played a pretty soft schedule to start. The 15-point win over Purdue kind of uh, turned me on to Syracuse. I thought that they were going to be a pretty good team after that. Uh, and then they won a game against Army, which can always be kind of a tough battle. But since then, they've been blown out by a Clemson team that is yet again down this year. They lost by 33 to North Carolina. And they made it worse with a 38-point loss last week for, or last time out to Florida State. This team has all sorts of problems. We were talking about this before. They're banged up. They're having guys drop. It's not a very deep team anyway. The defense is okay. The advanced metrics suggest that they're all right. Um, offensively, they've got, I think, a weapons issue. Uh, Aranda Gadsden being out is a huge, huge problem. Garrett Schrader doesn't have a ton to go off of. LaQuint Allen is not a bad running back. He's shown that he can do a little bit. But ultimately, like you said, Mike, this is a very, very gettable Syracuse team. Yeah. This is this is one the Hokies have to have, right? Uh, five games here coming up. They're all winnable in some shape and form. But in my opinion, in order for Virginia Tech to make a bowl game, which I think is very attainable at this point with how the team has performed two out of the last three times out, getting themselves to the three-win mark now and a winning record in conference play, going down an easier home stretch of the schedule, I think you have to have you know, one of BC and Syracuse in particular, NC state's down, not to say that won't be a tough game. That's also in Blacksburg, uh, UVA on the road. You, I, I don't care that UVA just beat North Carolina really. Cause I think Carolina just kind of rolled the helmets out and didn't really seem prepared. Slept, walked and just did not seem prepared flat out. Just that seemed like a coaching issue last weekend. I don't know what happened there. Carolina's got, they get one to two games like that a year under Mac Brown. So I'm not too concerned about Virginia tech against UVA, but I, I think the two games that kind of swing things, right. I think Syracuse is an obvious big time swing game. And I think Boston college on the road in Chestnut Hill is a swing game only because it's, it's hard to go up there and win. Right. And I think you have almost, you absolutely have to split at worst Syracuse and Boston college. If you want to make a bowl game. Um, and that's assuming they do what they need to do against NC State and UVA and Louisville is the least winnable game on the schedule, but I just don't see it. It's a, you know, game you got to go play on a Friday night, short week. I, I just don't see it. Oddly enough, the hottest team on the schedule right now that Virginia Tech has to face is Boston College. Mm -hmm. Boston College in Chestnut Hill is spooky. Mm -hmm. yep. That's not going to be easy. And I think anyone who's watched Virginia Tech football over the course of the last 15 years <laughs> – has to agree with that. <laughs> this sadly, sadly, we do. This is like a gut. This is a gut check type game. Tech's coming off a bye. Syracuse is down. They're dealing with some injuries. 
but this is a game historically that we have seen Virginia Tech lose before. <laughs> We've seen them lose a game like this. Yep. So it's one thing to have your team rolling, right, and playing really good football, which Virginia Tech is, but it's another thing to take a week and a half off and have the maturity to be ready to play. It's going to be a home crowd. It's it's going to be a very good atmosphere again inside Lane Stadium. Basically, every home atmosphere since Pry arrived has been a very good atmosphere. So not too terribly concerned about that. But this is a game. You're still facing a veteran quarterback in Garrett Schrader who's seen a lot, been around. You're facing a veteran coaching staff that has a tendency to, to in most cases, get their team ready to play. I think the bye came at a really good time for Syracuse because how banged up they were, the stretch they just endured. Playing Clemson, Carolina, and Florida State. Really tough Brutal. stretch. Brutal, Brutal stretch. Uh, and it wasn't just that Syracuse lost those games. It's kind of how they lost that really is is the key there and how they looked. So I think the bye week came at a really good time. I think Syracuse will play Virginia Tech competitively here. Uh, and I think the Hokies need to be ready to play. But this is a very winnable game. Don't get me wrong. It would be a disappointment, quite honestly, if Virginia Tech came out late neck and lost. I mean, everything lines up Virginia Tech. <laughs> you have a Syracuse team that is reeling a little bit, and you put these three games they just played on the schedule back to back to back. And not only does that beat you up, which they did have the bye week, but from a morale perspective, they're at their lowest of lows. Virginia Tech is riding a little bit of momentum. This game is not being played in the carrier dome. It's being played at Lane Stadium in what has shown to be your most advantageous environment, Thursday night under the lights. If you drop that one and then have to go three and one down the stretch, now you don't feel very confident. Not yeah. only because you just saw them lose a to another toss-up game, but because of the conditions that you're facing, having to go to Boston College, Louisville will obviously be tough. I don't think NC State's a guaranteed victory. And of course, you know, the UVA game, especially in Charlottesville, can be weird. Two and two there, I feel pretty comfortable. Three and one there, not so much. A situation where the circumstances favor you is in front of you with a Syracuse team that is a world beater by no means. You got to take advantage. It would be you gotta very... take advantage and either you know the momentum continues to roll or there's gonna be a feeling that maybe Cinderella is being called home from the ball. It would be it would be very Virginia Tech to lose the next two against Syracuse and Louisville, really piss the fan base off, and then just win the last three games. <laughs> that would be well, and, I mean, the fans are really trying to buy into what we saw versus Pitt and Wake Forest, and and rightfully so. But beating Syracuse, Syracuse is the best team that they would beat so far, right? I mean, Syracuse is better than Pitt and Wake, in my opinion. Yeah. And they're certainly better than Old Dominion. So this would be the best team that Virginia Tech has beaten to date this year. Yeah. And, Talk and about actually, it would be – the best team Virginia Tech has beaten to date in the Brent Pry era. 
uh, which is kind of saying a lot because Brent Pry hasn't won very many games and the teams that he's beaten have been pretty bad. Yeah. But I you wanna... win this kind of game, which is not just a toss-up game, but a toss-up game against a team that um, has some – they have some capability on offense. Garrett Schrader has beaten them before. Uh, Dino Babers, I think, is a pretty good coach. He's not an elite coach, right? But, you know, if you can last, what, seven years in Syracuse, you're doing something right. He's competent. Yeah, for sure. And I think they have a competent defense. This would be a huge win for the sense of that the progress that we saw versus Pittsburgh and Wake wasn't phony. So coming out and getting this dub, I think, is really, really important. Think about this. We could have a scenario here where Virginia Tech wins six football games, reaches bowl eligibility, accomplishes that micro goal within the rebuild. And at the end of the day, the best win on the resume was Boston College. Yeah. Yeah. We still don't know. You know, you can win six and still not really be sure if they're any good. That would be <laughs> I mean that that's kinda we'd find out in the bowl game. We'd find out in the bowl game. Yeah. We'd find out in the bowl game. The military we'd find bowl out in the military bowl. Against like uh, I was going to say Temple. They're not going to a bowl game. Memphis, no. Memphis, maybe. Quincy Patterson and the Owls are mm. not going bowling mm. at all. Quincy, Quincy had some Quincy had some issues last week. Yes. Uh, I said a couple minutes ago, Virginia Tech was getting Louisville on a Friday night. I don't know where I got that from. They play on a Saturday at 3.30 in a week and a half. So I disregard <laughs> that statement I made. I have no idea where I got that from. Perpetuating anyway. false information. I love it. Somebody's got to do it. Okay. Uh, ACC games this weekend, guys. We're going to make our picks now. Uh, I've decided because we've run almost an hour and I'm tired. <laughs> so, Oh, Mikey that's, tired. That's where I'm at. Yeah. But quickly touching on basketball, taking 45 minutes is always tough. Quickly, yeah. 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 <laughs> Quick, quickly touching on the hoops program and having it be three quarters of the podcast is definitely <laughs> difficult. Uh, obviously, the Tech and Syracuse's first game of the weekend, but we're going to start on Saturday and come to the Tech game at the end. Uh, number four, Florida State traveling to Wake Forest. Uh, Florida State is a 20 and a half point favorite. Wake Forest is going to die here. So, <laughs> any disagreements there? <laughs> Wake is pretty bad. Uh, it's the worst quarterback play under Dave Clawson. That's for damn sure. They, they do not have an answer there. They've got some injuries, they're fighting. They've got a weapons problem. The defense is mediocre at best. Florida State's going to roll. At what point do we get to figure out if Florida State's good or not? Because <laughs> I'm looking at the schedule, and I, I guess the Duke game might have been it. The ACC championship, I guess. Yeah, Duke really, Duke kind of gave the illusion that they were competitive with that pick six, but their offense didn't do anything the entire I game. I think the the Florida State Miami game will tell us a bit, uh, because Miami's got some weapons, but also that trip to the swamp in late November. Keep an eye on that. Billy Napier's got him at five and two. Yep, he does. Florida's Florida's been playing some good football in October. Uh UConn at BC, BC 14 and a half point favorite. UConn has won one game. 
they're back to being bad. I was trying to believe in more, man. Uh, BC's hot. They're at home. UConn's horrendous. Give me Jeff Halfley, who's reviving his his uh, tenure a little bit there in uh, Chestnut Hill. I mean, make a bowl game. You're not getting fired. Nope. Hell, you might get several contract extensions like your Steve Adazio. Well, I'll tell you this much. Known Virginia Tech enthusiast, Andrea Adelson. Oh, good. Has Boston <laughs> College in her power rankings. Excellence. As, <laughs> let me confirm here, the seventh best team in the ACC. So based on that gospel and that gospel alone, they'll cover. I don't think she's all that wrong on that, by the way. BC BC looks like a middle-of-the-pack team in the conference right now. Do you think she's wrong that Virginia Tech is 12 out of 14? Yes. Yes, but yes. she's never seen a Virginia Tech hate story that she hasn't wanted to write. Clemson, Bingo. <laughs> Clemson and, and she's a, she is a good reporter, but yep. she's got she, – there's an angle with the Hokies for some reason. Clemson uh, on the road – in Raleigh to take on NC State and Clemson is a 10 point favorite buddy give me every single one of those points for NC State I I know MJ I know they have a a quarterback issue right I know things have not been phenomenal um I don't know man I feel like NC State here can cover even with the MJ Morris experiment not going too swell Give me NC State taking care of the football, lower scoring game. NC State's defense has been pretty good this year. They've been competitive. So, yeah, give, give me NC State plus the 10. You kidding me? Uh, Clemson wins close. I think the bigger question here, and I might be the first person to ask this, is Clemson on quit watch? Uh, Davos getting We're going to find out. Davos you have a bunch of kids in that team. program that came to Clemson to win national championships. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Dabo's Dabo's getting punched in the face by the media every week, and a lot of it's deserved, right? Doing it to himself. There's there's a lot of criticism about the way he's running his program, and rightfully so. They've already got three losses, right? Like their their season goals are essentially over. I mean, they've already got all three of those losses, by the way, in the conference. So. Their Three hopes losses of going... with North Carolina and Notre Dame remaining on the schedule. Yeah, I mean, they could lose five games. Yeah, uh, I guess in terms of the game, yeah, give me, give me NC State. Outright? I can't go that far. Yeah, I can't either. Their I, offense, their <laughs> offense, their offense. You thought Clemson's offense was bad, I, buddy. Yeah, I, I considered it, but yeah. I think you're right. I think Clemson will Clemson will win, but not by more than double digits. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. Last time out, NC State lost to Duke twenty-four to three. It looks so bad. And they gave up like 170 passing yards on four completions or whatever it was. Henry, Mike, were you just putting NC State in the probable win column for Virginia Tech? Yeah, but Clemson, man, they're tough to go to Carter Finley. 
tough to go to Carter Finley in a game that's going to have the fans juiced and Clemson will win. I feel like that Dave Dorn's defense can make this a bit of a rock fight. That's what I'm banking on. And if y'all zig, I zag. Give me Clemson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the other thing that could possibly happen here is that Clemson just smokes them, which is on the table. If that happens, there are a lot of questions that need to be asked in, in Raleigh. Yeah. Well, I mean, if MJ Morris gives Clemson multiple short fields, I mean, they'll now Clemson's got a red zone issue too. They're having issues in the red zone, but I, if NC State gives Clemson multiple short fields, I mean, Clemson's got the athletes. NC State does not, so I, I think that's when this game gets out of hand. Pitt, <laughs> Pitt's going to South Bend. Notre Dame's a twenty and a half point favorite. Pittsburgh's rushing Pittsburgh's rushing defense is going to have to try to stop Otter Destime. Thoughts and prayers. Pitt didn't really beat Louisville. Louisville beat Louisville in that game. Guess I'm going to take the Irish, but 20 points feels like a bit much. But screw it. We got to tease that to 27, Andrew. <laughs> I think this is going to be this could be a this could be a a blowout. Of course, Notre Dame. I like every time I say this, this is like when they get into a slog and win like seventeen to six or something. <laughs> Only when I bet them. We've been wrong before, but if you could take care of USC, probably take care of Pitt. That that I would agree with. Twentieth uh, ranked Duke is. I would be shocked if Riley Leonard plays in this game. Uh, traveling to Louisville. I mean, this is the game of the weekend, the ACC. Uh, Louisville's a four-point favorite. And I think Louisville's a four-point favorite for a reason. Uh, give me give me the cards here. Don't. I, I mean, <laughs> look, if Riley Leonard doesn't play, they, they, have no, they can't throw the ball. So that, yeah, I mean, give me, give me Louisville. Mike Elko's the best coach in the conference right now. But, like you said, they don't have a backup quarterback. Uh, it's a real shame that Riley Leonard is not going to be able to play. Uh, I'm going to take Louisville, but it's definitely going to be, I think, under seven points. I kind of believe in Henry Boleyn. That makes that one makes, of us. That makes one of us. Yeah. <laughs> Good for you. Might Maybe be the Riley only person outside the Duke football program. Andrew, Andrew, buddy, I, I watched the end of that Duke Florida State game. I, I I was locked in. Mike Elko doesn't even believe in Henry Boleyn, buddy. <laughs> to be fair, I fell asleep. So, yeah, <laughs> whatever. I'm picking Duke. You might want to sleep through this one too. <laughs> <laughs> Try my yeah. best. Yeah. Take a also, you know what? I got to do this while we're on. Who knows if he makes it this far in the podcast? Shout out to the great Jimmy Cleveland, great friend of mine, you know, OG listener of this podcast, helped me move for what's probably like the fifth time (laughs) since we became friends. Wasn't particularly enthusiastic about it. Can't say didn't complain, but I'll take a friend who will complain through helping you move versus a jolly friend that won't so shout out jimmy cleveland that's (laughs) shocking to me that he didn't complain about helping you move i've met 
met Jimmy a handful of times. Good dude. That does not surprise me at all. Complaining is one of his uh, passions. <laughs> Virginia's traveling to Miami. Uh, yeah, I mean, give me Miami. Miami's a 19-point favorite. I don't think UVA is going to do what they did last week again. I just don't see it. Agreed, Canes. Round it out. 17th ranked North Carolina. Uh, Traveling to Georgia Tech is an 11.5 point favorite. Give me Georgia Tech because this is the type of game that Georgia Tech makes uh, more competitive than it should be. I, I think North Carolina wins close here. I think this is a get right game for UNC. That's so fair too. I'm going to take the Tar Heels. I literally just took I, the only reason I took Georgia Tech is because these are the types of games that they tend to show up for for whatever reason. But this feels like <laughs> on paper, Carolina should win this game by like 20 points. Mike, you're starting a college football program. Who do you take, Haynes King or Kyron Drones? Kyron Drones. <clears throat> Haynes King threw. He's thrown six interceptions his last two games. I, yeah, Kyron Drones. He got off to such a hot start too. He did. He, he surprised me. I thought they were making a mistake starting him, so he surprised me. I will say that, but he's looking like Texas A&M Haynes King now. Yeah, never good to throw three interceptions against Boston College, but we'll say uh, it'll be better, Haynes King. I can see forever vulnerable North Carolina secondary. Outright? No, just a cup. Okay, just a cup. Okay. All right. Uh, Virginia Tech, three-point favorite Thursday night in Blacksburg. Uh, will you both be there or just Ricky? I'm a game time decision. You're a game time decision. Fair enough. Ricky is going to be there. I am going to be at my good friend Colin's uh, rehearsal dinner on Thursday night. I don't know if I'm going to see a minute of this live. Not only uh, will I be but... there, Mike, I will be in the stands for this one. I will not be in the press box. With your, uh, I, we have not met her yet, but by all accounts, your lovely girlfriend. Yes. Yes. Very her fun. first, her first tech game. Very fun. She is a University of Buffalo graduate. Ooh, so... action. <laughs> add, that to, add that to a non-conference schedule. Former <laughs> classmate of Khalil Mack. I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it. Uh, as far as this game goes, I, I think this is going to be really close. It, it's going to be, as Justin Fuente liked to say, a three-and-a-half-hour stomach ache. A tremendous challenge. <laughs> yes. Virginia Tech has the momentum. The talent is relatively the same on both sides. Syracuse is reeling. The other part of this is that Syracuse has to turn things around at some point, right? I mean, they've been they've been routed pretty heavily in their last three games. But it's not going to be in this one. Virginia Tech's going to win this game. I'm going to go uh, 31 to 24. Momentum, atmosphere, all in Virginia Tech's favor. Syracuse is not particularly good. I've seen them take care of business the last two times at home. I think it continues. Close one, 28-25 Hokies. 
a push. I I have a really really bad feeling about this game, but it's there's no reason. To, like I, I look at this on paper, I, I think. I thought town, I was supposed to be the pessimistic one. No, no, no. I mean, I'm I'm picking Virginia Tech. The talent <laughs> levels are the talent levels are very similar. Tech's got all the momentum. It's Thursday night football. We're looking for kind of like the signature win so far this year. And I feel like every time we've watched the Hokies play over the last month, it just feels like we're continuously uh, Tallahassee, not with scanning, but <laughs> we took some small wins out of that game. Right. Uh, it, it just feels like we're, we're stacking up some momentum in terms of good performances and things to build on. Even in that loss in Tallahassee, there were some things to build on with, with particularly Kyron drones, performance. I just feel like that's going to continue here. And I think Virginia tech's got, the team on both sides of the ball that's trending in a really good direction. And I think Virginia Tech is going to make a bowl game. And I think that Virginia Tech takes another step towards that, winning this game on Thursday night, putting themselves at four and four on the year, back to level ground, setting up for a really exciting and intriguing game here in about a week and a half on the road at Louisville, which undoubtedly would be the win of the year if Tech found a way to pull that off. But this is a big game Thursday night, really important, really pivotal. Uh, this would be a signature win in the Brent Pry, Brent Pry era so far. So, Mike, imagine really quick, imagine Virginia Tech wins on Thursday night mm-hmm. and Louisville loses at mm-hmm. home to Duke. Mm-hmm. Lies will be told. Letdown game of <laughs> the exactly year. Exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> Letdown game of the year for Louisville. <laughs> uh, let's hope it gets to that point. Hokey's close. Hokey's close here, though. I, I don't think this is going to be a fun watch. <laughs> I think this is going to be it. It's going to be highly stressful. I'm going to uh, need to monitor my heart rate in this game while in the stands. Wear your uh, whoop. You have a whoop watch? I don't, but I have a Fitbit. Okay, so I mean, right. it's pretty much the same thing. Uh, yeah. Give me Virginia Tech 24-21. And I'll Another push? push? I'll push, too. Well, maybe Virginia Tech will go up to, like, a three-and-a-half-point favorite, and I'll just lose that bet. What's that sound? <laughs> Not that you can bet it anyway. That, that's true. Uh, let's leave that there. Uh, <laughs> we'll be back. Not if you got friends <laughs> of the Cayman Islands. That's right, yeah. <laughs> Rate, review, subscribe. Make sure Rate, to follow review, the boys on Twitter. I should have said this off the top of the show. We've gotten some ratings and some reviews on Apple and Spotify. Thank you if you have given us a rating or a review. If you have not, you've made it to this point in the podcast, please rate and review the show. Right, Write us a review. Give us a rating on both Spotify and Apple. really helps us with uh, some sponsorship, partnership opportunities would be really yeah. helpful if you did that. It's it's really helpful to us. We'd just like to know how we're doing, just in general as well. And if you want to meet up at the game, DM me. And if you want to meet up at the game, DM Ricky and potentially DM Andrew if he's going to be around. We'll see. Time will tell. Time will tell. <laughs> uh, I asked for some listener questions from our show account, and then the Rodney Rice thing happened, so I'm not trying to ignore the listener questions tonight. They just, we had a lot to talk about. So Okay, last thing, like big finish type. Because speaking of listener questions, uh, one of our beloved listeners, Don Tomas on Twitter, was over at my apartment right before this and wanted to bring attention to the fact that Virginia Tech Today posted on Instagram, the men's basketball program, a picture with the caption, 
we greater than sign me shade being thrown yes or no uh probably not you don't like the drama does a social media guy have beef or, or girl i don't want to guy either girl. way i'm not yeah. sure who's running that account uh to be quite honest mike but... young <laughs> just kidding just kidding look as long as mike young's not sending people to games to steal signs i'm happy uh, he can do that if he wants. This is the dumbest scandal ever. <laughs> blame John Boleyn. Or just blame John Yeah, everything Boleyn. is John Boleyn's fault, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get Andrew Adelson back to Blacksburg ASAP, Rocky. Hey. <laughs> Whip up another story. And on that note, I think we're all done. <laughs> Go Hokies. <laughs>